welcome to Turns Out She's Psychic, the podcast. Spiritual musings, sometimes amusing. I'm Tracy. And I'm Laura. Hello to our beautiful podcast coven and we have a little something special for you all today. I am joined by both Tracy and Laura and we thought we'd do a little New Year's Eve special and all of the superstitions and traditions from around the world. Whoop, whoop. And we're currently catching up for a wee Christmas tipple at the moment. <laughs> so this could be an interesting podcast. It's good times. I'm having fun already. I am too. <laughs> Let's just face it, Lara's drunk. <laughs> I've had a couple of sips of All liquor. you need is a couple, my dear. Yeah. We're a very easy drunk. We've been together drunk. for almost three hours. We have. We I've have. Had, and I've it's been three hours so lovely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With our beautiful goblets, our Ashman goblets. Mm-hmm. We each have our own individual unique ones that... Shannon has, or Asha Moon, has created and brought her intention and her channeling through. Shannon, what crystal did you choose to have in your goblet? I chose a turquoise. I've always been really drawn to turquoise. Mm-hmm. I love it. And mm. it's interesting because you made goblets for Laura and I. It was a present, actually, for me from Laura that she got us made some goblets for our whiskey when we record the podcast, <laughs> like, going back a couple of years ago now. So yeah. Like yeah. Ago. I didn't even know Shannon then. I was no, just, that was uh-huh. the first time I kind of met <laughs> you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Once I knew about Shannon and I liked everything about her and I was like, oh, need you and you got two made for us and Shannon chose well I chose that I would like the crystal lapis lazuli and you chose labradorite yeah and Shannon made them for us custom and they were the only ones that you'd done at that point were they yeah yeah and they're beautiful and we still have them but then over time what we Mm. noticed for Laura and I (laughs) in the studio when we were recording we just naturally go and pick up the opposite so yeah. Laura would pick up the lapis and I would pick up the labradorite and we're like oh my god I've got the wrong one and it's like hang on a minute at what point do we realize it's not the wrong one it's actually the right one the right yeah and we actually have to just embrace it yep um so and yeah beautiful yeah so we might get we um the beautiful Shannon has taken photos of <laughs> oh the, god uh, of the Summer. um of nice. all the goblets but mm-hmm. also um, she just gifted Shannon, uh, Laura and I and producer Maddie, Laura's yeah. husband, um, our own mugs. Yeah. Turns and out. They're turns, turns out, out network mugs and they're all individual. So she's taken some photos of those too. So we'll put them up on the socials and we everyone shall. can have a look. But you yep. can see the goblets that we've got. And Shan, maybe you can make some um, individual goblets for our listeners if they want them. Possibly. <laughs> She just looked at me, everyone, and gave me the death stare as if, like, I can't believe you just put my shit in there. Something else. Like, you oh, just made me step Only in that because trace. I am in the midst of building the new studio and yeah. moving and all that. So, yeah. Future goals. Future goals, yeah. definitely. Well, maybe it's definitely. just pre orders. Yeah, up, maybe. For when they're ready. <laughs> These goblets are amazing, though. They're pretty cool. They are special. I love and how they feel in your yeah. hand. And, yeah. But it just, like, kind of transports you. Truly does. Well, mm-hmm. I do feel rather witchy drinking out of this. That's for sure. Regal. Mmm. Yep. Everyone it's needs very a good goblet. Games of Thrones. It is. I did quite fall in love with the um, glasses that the I can't remember now, the royalty. <laughs> their surname. The, the royalty people. <laughs> 
Oh, what, in no. Games of Thrones? In Games of oh, Thrones. I haven't watched it. And they it. have these glasses. So I can't help you here. It was like a very... <laughs> I can't believe that. Never watched an episode. It's a very similar shape. Obviously, it was it was glass, so not pottery, but the way that it um, flares out, mm. it was like that in Goblet-y. glass. But it was all hollow as well. The Beautiful. Also, oh, the alcohol didn't just fill up that bit; it filled it up the was, whole. Oh wow! Thing. Oh, wow, that would be pretty. <laughs> I need me some of those. That That's would be really my memories about pretty. It anyway, but yeah, it was. It was cool. So when I saw these, I was like, "Oh, I like that." Yeah, it sits in one's hand. Perfect. <laughs> And because we are all together recording this episode. For the first time in how long? My gosh. Um, I, I, we have not sat like this together since we first interviewed you for Turns Out She's Psychic. Yeah, which would have been like back in June maybe. Yeah. Or yeah. May or something. And it's crazy. And has earned herself the extra special microphone <laughs> with the, the fluffy sound sort of accessory that goes over the top of it because it's actually yeah. an instrument mic and so we call it the muff mic. And uh, I do have a photo of Tracy on my with, muff. Yeah. <laughs> I have a photo of you with your muff mic. So if we'll be posting that to the socials too. If there's an awkward silence, it's because Tracy's being quite suggestive with her mic in the background. I'm trying to make the girls laugh by blowing on my muff. <laughs> and it's working. Oh, it is Anyhow. Working. So I'm sure you guys are really entertained by that little backstory. This but is one drunken episode. Let's, you know there's like drunk history. Well, this yep. is drunk... Turns out she's a witch. And it's talking network. about spirits yeah. with Turns spirits. Network, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> spirits with spirits. Do you know what? That was actually something like way back when, when I started doing um, spirit sessions, which is my live um, mediumship events. Um, one of my first clients was a, a friend of mine named Tiffany and she owns, um, she just opened up a restaurant, but the restaurant included a, um, a bottle shop. And but when I say bottle shop, I mean more like a boutique kind of, not a bottle shop. It was like a one of a kind. Um, both of the, so her husband and their friend's husband um, combined together and they were both so into alcohol. They were buyers for alcohol. They were alcohol connoisseurs kind of thing. And so their bottle shop was more like a, we know what we're talking about. We're going to offer you the best of the best. And they match their food with their pizza and their pasta. Oh, nice. And I so ate she, there. Yeah. Yeah. So are she they was still just, open? Yes, they are. Benvino. Benvino. Yes. Plug. And so they um, they had an event there one night for a group of people and they're just like, can we have you come as like the talent for the event, <laughs> the entertainment for the event? And I'm like, absolutely. She goes, do you mind if we call it Spirits with Spirits? And I was like, oh, oh my God. How did I, I not know that. about this before today? Oh, uh, really? Perfect. Yeah, so there was Amazing. Spirits with Spirits at one point. And so that Love was a it. thing. That was a bit of a thing for a little while. And it's a thing today. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a thing today. Spirited. It is a thing today. <laughs> Christmas spirit, yes. spirit, and spirit. So there's three sp- spirit times three today. Wowza. Mm. And there's three of us, so it's yep. perfect. Oh, my God, there's just three everywhere. There and is. Shane, Which is the are. goddess number. <laughs> We're relying on you 13? to keep us on track. <laughs> oh, yes, Okay. <laughs> So back to it. <laughs> yeah. What's the topic? For so today? we've all researched two countries of choice to talk about the different traditions and superstitions for New Year's Eve. So I'm going to go first. And, and so you should. Obviously, you know that I love Scotland. It's dear to my heart. So I'm going to do Scotland. Thanks for, thank you for holding my chalice, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I thought I'd talk about the New Year in Scotland, which is known as Hogmanay. And it's believed that many of the traditional Hogmanay celebrations were originally brought to Scotland by the invading Vikings in the early 8th and 9th centuries. 
these Norsemen paid particular attention to the arrival of the winter solstice, which is also the shortest day of the year, as many of our listeners would already know, and celebrated its passing with some serious partying. In Shetland, which is way, way, way in the north, where Viking influence is still very strong, New Year is called Yule's, deriving from the word for the midwinter festival of Yule. It may be also a surprise to note that Christmas was not celebrated as a festival and was virtually banned from Scotland for around 400 years. Wow. I yeah, know I didn't know this. <gasps> from the end of the 17th century through to the 1950s. Whoa. So this blows my mind. Why? The reason? <laughs> Dates back. <laughs> but why? But I'm why? so glad you have the answer to that question. <laughs> I do. It dates back to the years of Protestant Reformation when the straight-laced Kirk proclaimed Christmas as a Catholic feast and as such needed banning. Oh, wow. yes. 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 So right up until the 1950s, many Scots worked over Christmas and celebrated winter solstice holiday at New Year when family and friends would gather for a party and exchange presents, which became known as Hogmanays. There are several traditions and superstitions that should be taken care of before midnight on the 31st of December, and these include cleaning your house and taking out the ashes from the fire. There is also the requirement to clear all of your debts before the bells sound at midnight. That sucks. Yeah, true. (laughs) If you have no money, it sucks. The underlying message being to clear out the remains of the old year and have a clean slate to welcome in a fresh new year. And immediately after midnight, it is very traditional to sing Robert Burns' Auld Lang Syne. Burns published his version of this popular little ditty in 1788, although the tune was in print for over 80 years before this. I did not know that's where that came from. Yes. Yeah, Robert Burns. It just reminds yeah. me of Jimmy yeah. Holiday. Burns. Burns Day. So what it's the heck holiday. is Old Land Sign? What yeah. does it mean? So Beautiful. it translates Whoa, literally to old long since in English and means something like times gone by. So that's just giving me a whole new appreciation for that song. Yes, same here. Because I used to sing it at PJ Gallagher's in Parramatta, Sydney, (laughs) drunk as a skunk on a Sunday night. And whenever it would come on, we'd all stand on the bar stools and sing it like we knew what it meant. And And obviously had no fucking idea what it meant. Time's gone by. (laughs) So yeah, you would have heard it sung before and the poem goes, should old acquaintances be forgot and never brought to mind? Should old acquaintances be forgot and old lang syne? For old lang syne, my dear, for old lang syne, we'll t- take a cup of kindness yet for old lang syne. So it's about remembering the year, oh. remembering all that you've loved and lost. And We are so playing that at my house on music. Oh, hell yes, we are. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> so, I love it. And an integral part of the Hogmanay party is to welcome friends and strangers with warmth and hospitality and, of course, lots of enforced kissing. <laughs> enforced kissing? <laughs> yes. As in as New Year's Eve, you must kiss the person closest to you. Yes. That kind of thing? Yes, that or kind of thing. Or as in, like, we're going to, like, make you. No. no not <laughs> just, illegal. Just lots of, like, come here and, you know, give me a yeah. cuddle and a kiss. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> Affection. Yes. And the one that I love is first footing or the first foot into the house after midnight. Yeah. And it's still very common across Scotland so and also a lot of the UK. So I've never to, heard of this. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, here we go. So to ensure good luck for the house, the first foot should be a dark-haired male. <laughs> oh. And he should bring with him symbolic pieces of coal, shortbread, salt, black bun and a wee dram of whiskey. I don't think I know a short-haired male. 
Oh, it just dark, dark head, head male. male. No, she doesn't I have do, to be short. I, I mean, I don't know any short dark head males. Spray their hair. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so the dark head male bit, this is what you'll love, is believed to be a throwback to the Viking days when a big blonde stranger arriving at your doorstep with a big Plenty axe meant you were in trouble and probably not in for a very nice New Year. Well, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> So funny story, my mum's brothers when she was uh, she was born in Scotland and immigrated to Australia when she was 14, but her older brothers were both very black-haired and oh. they were in like hot demand throughout Sterling. Every New Year. Yeah, because <laughs> they were dark-haired and they did the first footing for all of their neighbours. I need to find a dark-haired young gentleman yeah. to do the yeah. first footing in hot demand for my New Year's. We do. I have none. And then also another little fun fact, my grandparents were actually married on New Year's Eve in a registry office wow. in Stirling because they got to just go party at all the New Year's Eve Hogmanay celebrations. That so that was their reception. Wow. That's yeah. so cool. That's a great idea. It is. I'm going to it suggest is. that to my children. <laughs> so the fireworks displays and torchlight processions now enjoyed throughout many cities in Scotland are reminders of ancient pagan parties from those Viking days of long ago. Traditionally, New Year's ceremonies would involve people dressing up in the hides of cattle and running around the village while being hit by sticks. <laughs> the hides <laughs> of cattle by being hit by sticks. Being rounded up. Yeah, I'm glad that sounds one's like so much fun. Still happening. I'll just do the dark-haired, young, beautiful man yes. knocking at my yep. door. A tall, handsome stranger. <laughs> and the festivities would also include the lighting of bonfires and tossing torches. Animal hide wrapped around sticks and ignited produced a smoke that was believed to be very effective Smelly. at warding off evil spirits. <laughs> yeah. And this smoking stick was also known as a hogmanay. One of the most spectacular fire ceremonies takes place in Stonehaven, south of Aberdeen. I've been there. It is amazing. And on the northeast of uh, Scotland's coast. So giant fireballs are swung around on long metal poles, each requiring many men to carry them as they are paraded up and down the high street. Wow. Again, the origin is believed to be linked to the winter solstice and the swinging fireballs signify the power of the sun purifying the world by consuming evil spirits. I find that so sexy in a really weird way. <laughs> in a really Viking way. You love some oh swinging God. fireballs. Like <laughs> someone big enough to do that. It just took me straight to when we did the Maypole episode. Yeah, Beltane. And it was like hilarious to me to imagine these women dancing around with ribbons and flowers and everything. And all I could focus on was the giant penis. Phallus. <laughs> and then when you just described that, I'm like, yes. You're like, woo. Giant yes, balls. Yes, this is what I am here Giant for. <laughs> of course, Tracy. I just, oh. I, I, the visions, are, I'm, I'm there. I am there with my Labradorite goblet chalice that's empty. Lara. Oh, we need to fill that back Lara. up. I can sort that out for you, my love. So for visitors to Scotland, it's worth remembering that the 2nd of January is also a national holiday in Scotland, so an extra day to get over your enormous hangover. Fair. And that is my little wrap-up of Hogmanay So in they Scotland. get two days off. They do. Oh, yes, Scotland. I know, right? High five. High Scotland. five. Let's do that. Beautiful. <laughs> I've had a – did you have a New Year's in Scotland when you were there? No, I haven't. Have you been in Scotland for New Year's? Yeah, because oh, no. I lived there for a while. Um, and there was all the traditional stuff, but we uh, – Silly on. Australian. I've been to Stonehaven, but I didn't get to have New Year's Can you there. pour and talk at the same time? I can, but I can't <laughs> reach Shannon's goblet. But oh. we um, <laughs> we made our own little tradition up because we were Australians um, in Scotland yep. and we're in a hostel 
And Thank you very we much. We decided that at New Year's we we're playing pool that we would dack ourselves and run around the pool table as soon as it was New Year's. I'm not so sure, but just clearly cause. there was alcohol involved. Just cause clearly yeah, uh, just you don't because. take much. Yeah, no, total lightweight. So that was it. Abby Moore was beautiful. We spent oh. um, the Christmas there and New Year's there. Beautiful with some beautiful friends. Yeah, and. I can see us all there at it the same good time. time. We shall. Together. Let's do it. Just, mm. But us and our boys as well. Yes. Because our yeah. boys are so connected in that space, I think. Mm. So beautiful. Yeah. Like we were, even when we worked in a hospital in theatres, um, all the nurses and the doctors, everyone would sit down and have tea together and have lunch together. And then when we left, we, you know, we were gifted a beautiful quake, but... Our farewell was everyone, all the doctors, all the nurses, everything. Whereas over here, it was it's a bit more segregated. Mm. Um, you just hang with your own for the most part. You know, there is, is socialisation, really but not the whole, yeah. yeah. Plus, it was a smaller hospital as well, I suppose. But, yeah, so yeah. many fond memories of being there. It was, we were really looked after. Yeah. Man, they could drink us under the table as well. <laughs> Agreed. <Just laughs> don't stand a chance. Don't even try. wonder yeah. if me and my friend kidneys would do all right over there. They're okay. You'd give it a hot shot. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah. Try. We'll do it. It'll happen one day. Well, it's a really, really beautiful segue into um, how, like, over there it is so different to the way that it is over here. And um, so my husband, Matt, um, he's adopted. And the family that he was adopted into at six weeks old was um, a beautiful family or is a beautiful family. And... His parents, my in-laws, Marlene and Lawrence Dimmock, um, they're both from Malta. And Malta is something that is very special to Matt and I and to our children. And um, he, my in-laws are affectionately known as Nana and Nanu. Uh, and we are very hyper aware. And I'm very hyper aware as the female, uh, especially considering that my in-laws adopted two sons. So my my husband Matt and then his brother Mark they're not biological brothers they're they're both adopted brothers um I'm very hyper aware of the fact that once um Matt's parents who are in their late 80s have passed on that the traditions of Malta will pass on with their passing unless I take the responsibility on to to continue those traditions Mm. and I do take that to heart and I do take it with so much pride is probably the greatest word to say it with and also I feel just really honored to have that cultural impact in my life considering that I grew up as the most true blue Aussie you could ever possibly imagine with true blue Aussie parents and you know when I did my ancestry DNA which Shannon and I I think have talked about maybe I don't know if we talked about that we've talked about it on the podcast I'm not sure but like we basically have the exact same blueprint for DNA but so do my husband and I Matt like like we could be all brother and sister and we know we're not but we could be by basically our DNA and when I look at our DNA you know um there there obviously is no European impact into my DNA yet I feel like being brought into the world of um, the European aspect to tradition and culture and custom has been something that for some reason I've just craved my entire life. That whole, you know, when I, you know, as a true blue Aussie, Christmas Day was all about the surf and the turf yeah. and the the summer and the out, outside at the beach or in the swimming pool and 
it was all about prawns and beer and yeah. wine and drinking Sunshine. and summer sun yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And then when I met my husband, it was a completely different thing. It was like when I walked into my in-law's house, it was like I was transported into Europe and there was um, nativity scenes, which is huge in Malta. It's a mm-hmm. really big thing for them to have in their home nativity scenes. So Matt's parents used to um, be... So they live in what is known as a suburb that is called Mini Malta in okay, Sydney. Yeah. And it's because when the Maltese first migrated to Sydney, they all congregated in the one spot, which was in Greystains in Sydney. Mm-hmm. And so it's called Mini Malta. And I'm really proud of that heritage because Matt's mum came over when she was 12 and Matt's dad came over when he was in his late teen, or in his early 20s. And um, Matt's mum came over as the eldest of five children and her parents came over as what is known as wogs and they had to work and they lived literally in a garage on the property that Matt's parents currently live and they lived in a shed and Matt's parents, uh, sorry, Matt's grandparents would go to work. So Matt's mum, Marlene, Nanna, she would go, her parents would go to work and Nanna was the oldest, Marlene was the oldest of five children And she was basically the mother from the age of 12 when her parents Mm. went to work and she raised them and she um, fed them and clothed them and loved them and held them, even though her parents were beautiful people, Mm. which her father's name is Romeo. Oh my (laughs) God. Oh my God. Romeo. That's beautiful. It's just so beautiful. Like there's just so much love for everything they've brought into my life. Like I just don't want to just introduce Malta to our listeners without saying this is why Why? it's so special to me. Mm -hmm. But also I know that like um, my sister-in-law, like I love her to bits and everything, but she hasn't adopted the same kind of um, love for Malta the same way that I have. And so I've asked my mother-in-law over the years to teach me how to make the food that Mm. is quite traditional. And so in their New Year's Year's Eve um, celebrations and traditions, a lot of the food that I've been taught to make comes out to play as well because it's very celebratory but it's also very traditional food so um malta even though it is just it might seem like a random pick it's mm-hmm. not random at all it's because it has a very special place plus as my as my in-laws grew which i call them mum and dad um as they've grown my my father my father-in-law was the maltese consulate so he was the um and he still is the people's person of malta at the age of 86 Wow. So he goes to Malta, COVID pending. He goes to Malta every year and he spends two months over there um, to be the person who sort of um, kind of mediates between Australia and and Malta. But he was also the person who was actually responsible because he used to be um, in, he was the head of immigration. So he's actually the person who was responsible for dual citizenship. Oh, wow. So the fact that people can actually have dual citizenship that's down to him. He was the person that was in charge at the time of that bill Amazing. being passed, which is really special. So yeah. he was awarded the um, Order of Australia Medal. Wow. Um, and it's all very special. And so just on a side note, when <laughs> when I married Matt, we were on the front cover of the Maltese newspaper. Of course you were. <laughs> of course. <laughs> when I had Harley, our eldest, our firstborn at Christmas, um, over in Mini Malta in Greystains in Sydney, um, there is a street which is called Prospect Highway, which is very well known for the Maltese community where every single house almost on the street, which is like a, it's like a street that's like the longest street in the street. Okay, avenue. Yeah. It's like every house has the most spectacular Christmas display you could ever imagine. And there's one particular house where um, the church, um, 
which my mother-in-law is very heavily involved with, which is Our Lady Queen of Peace, which is where Matt went to as a child. Um, they had a ceremony where they have the choir. And so on Christmas Eve, the choir, which Matt's mother was the head of, she's got a beautiful voice, they would sing at this one person's house in their driveway. And they would have like this setup of all these um, chairs like lined up. And I'll never forget, because I didn't know this was going to happen, but Harley was born at the end of March. So he would have been about nine months, Mm -hmm. like not even nine months old when Christmas was. And I turned up and I didn't know this. I had no (laughs) idea what I was prepared for. And I walked in and we had the front seat saved. It's like basically for like royalty almost. It's (laughs) hilarious. But what I didn't prepare, what I wasn't prepared for the most was that all of the Maltese people came up and blessed my son. Oh, beautiful. And they all said a blessing and they all felt that it was like, um, that they were, um, I guess kind of, what's the word? It's like they were blessed to be able to bless the child of Mm. and it was so foreign to me as the most true blue Aussie like crazy 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 you know and we come from a background no word of warning for that I had no idea confronting it was like get your lips off my baby's head I can imagine right now I can imagine (laughs) but at the same time like I'd had a very quick crash crash course I guess in the Maltese would have been useful but you know what like Matt and I met and six weeks after our first date I fell pregnant with Harley and it was my first introduction into the European kind of way of living it's a big one and oh it's huge because you're first born in strangers Uh uh-huh and I didn't understand the enormity and the gravity of the fact that I I had no idea that this was it but after after that Christmas Eve I was explaining it to one of Matt's best friends who ended up being one of our groomsmen at a wedding and he goes don't you know who you are now and I was like, what? Like, what a wanker. And he goes, <laughs> you are the who's who of the Maltese community. And I was like, come again. <laughs> Why? Yeah. And so it's a thing amongst the Greeks, amongst the Italians, amongst the Lebanese, amongst the Maltese, that there is like the who's who of the Australian contingency oh, of wow. those countries. Yeah. And I had no freaking idea that this was what I was going into. No idea. And they didn't tell no, you that No, because either. they are the most humble people you will ever mm. meet they do not like matt's mother was the founder of miss melita and so melita is a place in malta and miss melita is a beauty pageant and so she was the founder of miss melita matt's father was the founder of melita football club which is a soccer league in sydney matt's father was the founder of the maltese herald which is a newspaper for all the maltese people in the country Matt's father was the Maltese consulate with an order Australian medal. I had no fucking idea that I was married into Maltese royalty, so to speak. And I was just this young 24-year-old chick, blonde to Aussie, blue trip, <laughs> thrown into it. And I was like, whoa, get your hands off my red-haired, blue-eyed, pale boy. Because my, my husband is adopted by these beautiful people. And when we did our DNA, you know, he is more Scottish and I am more Irish, but we both basically come from the same place. And Matt is very much almost like our triplet for Shannon and I, like we all kind of share the same, same kind of DNA. And so long story, that was a really long story. Definitely diverted. (laughs) But we're here for it. (laughs) But you know what? Like I, I see my, my in-laws, they, they have been the kind of parents that I have longed for in my life. And Mm, I, I just adore them. 
I absolutely adore them and I hope that that message um, I don't think I'll ever listen to this podcast, but I hope that our <laughs> listeners feel what it feels like to be connected to people that I'm not blood related to. And even though we're not blood related to our in-laws, I just feel like that they've, besides Matt, like if we were to even detour Matt and completely like sideline Matt, <laughs> I just feel like just being connected to my in-laws has given me such a, such a, depth. an unbelievable experience and depth in, mm. in who I am and what I understand in life. So the Maltese people, which I know from living in this family for the last 16 years, are extremely superstitious. And mm-hmm. I just said to Shannon and to Laura before we started recording that we need to do another episode on the, the weird superstitions that exist in different countries because Malta is renowned for it and they're hilarious. <laughs> um, but I really wanted to give everyone an idea of just how small Malta is. So Malta is actually 24,000 times smaller than Australia. Oh, wow. So for you to drive, for our local listeners, for you to drive from north to south, it's like driving from Gosford to North Entrance. No. Mm-hmm. Really? And for you to drive from east to west, it's Gosford to Terrigal. Oh, wow. It's tiny. Yeah. So Malta is made up of three different islands, but Malta is like the main island. So Malta is teeny tiny yeah i yeah. did not yeah. know that so small yeah and I it's a place realize. that obviously is very dear to my heart and traditionally new years in malta was pretty much quite casual so malta is a place that is huge on festa which they call festa but it's like they have a festa every day it's just like <laughs> what saint can we decide yep. to celebrate like let's catholic. celebrate someone is it mainly that. catholic yeah it's yeah. roman catholic so yeah. they they've yeah. got the tradition steeped in roman catholic yeah. so it's like what's a, what what saint can we celebrate and all their streets and schools and places everything's named after a saint yeah so um Traditionally, though, New Year's Eve in Malta was really casual. It was the time when all their festas were done and all the elaborate displays were done and they were more just about being at home with the family and gathering and really just recognising and honouring, saying goodbye to the year that was and welcoming in that new year. It was a very present mm-hmm. kind of approach to, to being rather than it all being party. Um, and food features always heavily in all of their celebrations and their food is made up of um, lots of different kind of um, influences but mainly it's um, Sicily and Italy mm-hmm. that really impact the types of foods that Malta have but they've got they've got their own um, their own kind of you know conco- yeah like yeah. what they do um, and Malta was traditionally a poor country as well so they obviously didn't have um, access more so to a lot of the things that Italy had or mm-hmm. to Sicily. And so they kind of made do whatever they had. Um, but the most famous um, of all, and I am so going to like completely just brutalize <laughs> and murder this. Sorry. And I told my husband head. that I needed him to record these words. So maybe we'll get producer Maddie to do his magic and get my husband to say them. Sure, maybe. Um, but there's Imbulta which you can think of really essentially as like a hot chocolate that is like to the max. So it's made of dried chestnuts and um, cacao and tangerine rind, cloves Mm. and sugar. And essentially it like tastes like Christmas. That sounds so good. Yeah. Mm. It's like, it's like Christmas in a cup. Yum. 
And the the winters in Malta aren't that like they're they're quite mild. Mm-hmm. So even though they think it's cold, the drink really is all like their their food and their drink is all about being able to make the person comfortable. Mm-hmm. So they create things out of making me comfortable. Make I want to make you comfortable. So what can I create for you? And so this drink is really just made out of that creation. And so the food is usually the staples. So you know when I met Matt, like. The, it's so funny when I did this New Year's Eve type thing, the three dishes that I, that were well, three out of many of the dishes, that, but the three first ones that I learned how to make from my mother-in-law, knowing that traditions were going to be so important to pass down, were the three that features on New Year's Eve oh, because wow. they're the ones that are the most um, traditional and the ones that they, they kind of create purely because they, they're able to be made on mass. And so family being together is their biggest focus. Mm-hmm. And New Year's Eve is about as many families as you can. And so they want to feed on mass. Yeah. It's a it's like we're not going to make little exotic prawn cocktails <laughs> like the Aussie does, like what I've grown up with every Christmas and New Year's. It's about making food that's going to – it's like a smorgasbord. It's like let's mm. it's like a banquet. It's like let's feed 5,000 people because you never know who's going to show up. So the food is just so important, especially for the person who's hosting the New Year's Eve sort of celebration and wherever you're going to spend New Year's Eve before New, before midnight and at midnight, the, the hostess or the family that you go to or the family that you belong to, the mother, the grandmother, the nunna, the aunties, all of those people, it's really important for them to make really simple foods like brodu, which is a chicken broth. Um, my mother-in-law traditionally makes it as a beef broth though. But brodu is actually one of those foods that when you get sick, so whenever Matt gets sick, he always like, I need brodu. And so I make brodu and it's like a broth. It's like, well, you make me, Laura, when I'm sick. It's all I crave and it's all my girls crave. We don't call it brodu, we call it chicken broth. But yeah, (laughs) same, same, same but different. Same thing. And so New Year's Eve, you can think that Maltese, all they think about is nourishing the people Mm. that they love. So brodu features really heavily in the early stages of their New Year's Eve night. And then there's, um, and I'm, I am so, <laughs> I call it baked macaroni, but I'm not even going to go, <laughs> I'm not even going to go for Thank what it's called, but I, I mean, I can't even, I can't even begin to want to pronounce it and I'm getting all funny like I do without like <laughs> divine tool of the week in an Irish accent. <laughs> it's like, you can do um, it. Let's oh no, it. I can't even because they like, they're like Lebanese. They've got like a Lebanese accent to it. So I can't even pretend to do that. I'm not even going to. But anyway, it's baked macaroni. <laughs> and so basically, if you can think about it, it's like spam in a can, like spam. Like oh, my grandparents used to love that stuff. Mm. Matt does it for the kids and they eat that shit up. And I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> I'm not feeding my kids spam, but that's a traditional recipe. Oh, well. So ham in a can, spam with mince. And it can be, it's usually pork, mm-hmm. um, pork mince or beef mince. And then it's macaroni and it's toma- like diced tomatoes or like um, whole tomatoes cut up. And um, there's like herbs, but whatever herbs you've got. It's yeah. like not a traditional herb. It's just like whatever you've got, just throw yeah. it in. I love And then that. macaroni pasta. And so you cook all of the meats together and then you mix all the pasta and the meat together and then you bake it in the oven 
and all of the macaroni on top goes really crispy. And with the yeah. idea cheese? of like, do you not even che- like leave the cheese no on cheese. it because the kids love it with cheese, but the Mix traditional it all up and chuck it in. Yeah. Well, actually, oh. they put even raw egg into it as well. Yeah. Um, so and that bakes. Out. Yeah, it bakes it. Like the omelets. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they actually don't put cheese on it, which is really strange because you'd think that the Italians yeah. put cheese on it. But I think cheese was actually quite a rich thing. It's and a, if you had a yeah, dairy farm, it was like a delicacy. Money. Yeah. And so baked macaroni is a poor man's dish. Like Maltese, like the broad do, the baked macaroni and um, the roast chicken and potatoes, which I'm about to talk about. They're very poor people's desserts that, or poor people's foods that could feed the masses, mm, but yeah. really cheaply. Yeah. And that's basically what Malta was. And so um, the baked macaroni had no cheese on top, but it's like the top of it is just like the crunchiest, like yeah. chewiest macaroni you've ever eaten in your life. <laughs> I don't tend to eat the back ma- baked macaroni that my mother-in-law makes because she always makes it with beef mince. And uh, okay. um, the ham, which that the spam, which I will not eat. <laughs> so um, she makes it with that. But my kids love that shit, and Matt knows how Sounds to make tasty. it. Yeah, mm. and the kids reckon that Matt's one tastes better than Nana's, but don't tell Nana. Yeah, better not listen to Don't tell Nana. Don't tell Nana. Uh huh. So then, also for dessert, they have like um, they have this beautiful. It's called like a honey. I call it a honey ring. But it's um it's got its own name. But I again I'm not even going to talk about it. But I'll put it in the show notes. I'll get Laura to put it in the show notes. <laughs> but it's basically like a um like a a pastry that is um like crunchy. Um and then they have like um they have like a date kind of fig um mm. jam that sort of sits and it's rolled and then it's turned into like a ring so they nice. they they would imagine lay the pastry out and then and then layer it with the with the um like the jam kind of consistency and they mm-hmm. would roll it and then they turn it into a ring yeah um and so you eat it it's almost like a pretzel you had like me a pretzel. pastry mm-hmm. yeah it looks like a pretzel but <laughs> it's really sweet and my my mother-in-law makes the most beautiful so that's the kind of food. And then um, there's a little town um, of Floriana, which is just near the capital, Valletta. Um, and it's where most people will party for New Year's. And it's, um, it closes, it's famous for closing its, uh, its most famous street, and its busiest street, which is called St. Anne's. Um, and it, it now, like traditionally, that's what you would used to do. But now it's like a street party for the young people that come to Malta because it's a bit of a tourist destination. It's basically like one big street party. And Maltese people know how to party. They're not <laughs> short of making sure that your drink's full and not making sh- like they're not short of making sure that you've got a full belly to hold the alcohol. And they're yeah. very, very fun people. Um, but then most people will move on to St. George's Square at um, Valletta Waterfront and that's where they experience the fireworks. And apparently, just a little fun fact, the fireworks in Malta can be documented all the way back to the Order of the Knights of St. John in the mid-1500s. Wow. And that's basically, so the Order of St. John was basically a Catholic military that was designed to protect um, like Sicily and Rome. And they were banished at one point when all of the other influences came to those countries and they had nowhere to settle. So they were basically trying to overtake all these places. And then the, I think it was like the president of Rome basically not banished them, but basically assigned them to Malta. And they protected Malta for about the next 250 to 300 years where they were the rulers. They were the ones that decided. So you can go to Malta and there's actually like statues where the knights are laying down and they're like cement statues of knights in a knight's costume laying down. 
and they've got their hands praying because they were they believed that they were the military assigned by God to protect. So it's really special. And the fireworks, um, which they call pyrotechnics, you know, yep. go same same. Yep, that's um, the scientific word for fireworks. Correct. <laughs> but the pyrotechnics was a display of um, warning, of sign, of like this is who is ruling this place. This mm. is who we are, and it was like a sign of. Um, this is where you are, yeah, kind of thing, as opposed to a celebration. It was okay. more like a, like a flare. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Great word, great word. That's so that's cool. that's Malta in not the tiniest nutshell. But <laughs> I get passionate. Time. All right, I get and passionate. I love Beautiful. it. I love the backstory. Yeah, and, and I love yeah. how much you love that, and I love how much you know culture. You know, you acknowledge that and it's so beautiful to see that although it's not a birthright, it's your own choice and that mm. somehow makes it even more beautiful. And like I was saying to you guys off air before, like Bolta are like full witches, hey. Like yeah. the when superstition, you superstitions, it's like, oh my We're god, you guys are witches. So I almost yeah. feel like even though in my ancestry I haven't seen it, ancestry is different to past lives. They are mm-hmm. not the same thing. Yeah. And really mind in, blown. Yes. yes. <laughs> and in past lives, yeah. I, I think that the reason why I am so in love with there's everything about it, there's got to be some kind of yeah, tie. There has to be. Has mm. to be. Well, it makes sense. Yeah. It yeah. does to me. <laughs> On one level. And then you're like, oh, but what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what that means is that it feels good and it's beautiful and yeah. I love it. And that's as far as it needs yeah. to be really. Yeah. Yeah. But then me being me gets all curious, like, I need to know more. <laughs> have another drink and you won't worry. No, I cannot. <laughs> don't, you don't want me to have another drink right now. It's all good. But it's my turn. It is your turn, Laura. Yeah. So Peru. My mum's from Peru. Mm-hmm. I've had beautiful opportunities to um, celebrate Peruvian New Year's, Aussie style. Uh, but also I was in, not Peru, for New Year's, I was in Argentina, so... How Somewhere in South America. America. Couple of hours on the okay. plane. I was 12 and so the memory's mm. sketchy, but I had a beautiful uh, New Year's in Argentina um, visiting with some cousins um, and then we went to Peru. So my cousins were, you know, my, from my mum's sister and their three kids and her husband and they live in Australia now as well, but they lived all around the world. They lived in Holland as well and Argentina. Are they? And, what's that? Do I know those cousins? Yeah, Nicole, Mark and Sean. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> Shout out. Yeah. Um, anyhow, so I was over there when I was 12. So right between the break of primary school to high school, my family went on a, um, I think it was, maybe five week holiday overseas it was our first trip overseas it would have been really big deal Mm, yeah super exciting um which meant you know I missed my year six farewell and that sort of stuff which was a big deal for me because I was school captain so I I never did any outgoing things yeah (laughs) what Um, oh my god now I feel like the most unpopular child in the history of the world you guys were popular I was the school captain of Brook Avenue primary school (laughs) I'm representing Brook Avenue Brook Avenue I know where that is yeah about a day (laughs) no there's another Brook Avenue in Sydney Oh, really? Oh, I know where you're from. Oh, no, we're coming here at Banner Bay. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. 
So it was, <laughs> it was a big deal, but you know, I did, it was, it was a trade-off and it was totally worth it. And I think it was a really good age to see how my mum grew up and how, um, how long were your parents was? when they had you? So were they like young parents? No, no. my mum was 38 when she had me, yeah. but there's 12 years difference between my mum and my dad. Okay. And they, um, I have an older brother mm-hmm. who's older by 14 months. Mm-hmm. So we were really close in age and they tried to conceive him for like three, four years. They had lots of issues and then she had a really really traumatic childbirth with him so much so that they were never going to have another kid but then she got pregnant um she still had oh this is far too much information but she was you know, still she had open wounds still oh, wow. um because she had issues healing and Whoa. she fell pregnant again which is gross again to think about <laughs> right. that would be really scary scary from like the doctor now said, being a mom yeah that, all like, kinds and my months. nursing knowledge and oh. medical background it's scary it's awful so the doctor said we'll take care of this you're pregnant but we'll take care of this you cannot have this baby but that was me oh my and gosh, she Lara. said to hell i'm having this baby yeah so that how was me. did i not know this yeah i don't know I kind of <laughs> think that you might have, but you might have forgot. But anyway. No, I have never. No, I have never heard this story. But anyway, here I am. No. Thank goodness. No. Thank goodness. You're putting the guilt trip. I have never heard that story. Okay. I, I believe you. <laughs> I do. It's, it's not often that I tell the story, but no. that's the story. But I, I, I don't know. I have a memory of talking in a microphone, which is very rare for me, about it. And how my parents conceived me while mum was still in all kinds of... And I was like, mum, dad, really? You know, <laughs> but not knowing, like, completely different take. Anyway, Maybe, anyway. Yeah. Anyhow. So, I don't even know why I decided to share that. I share that. <laughs> it happens when you've had a drink or two or, or, or five. five. <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, I have my mum to thank for such a beautiful cultural heritage and it really was diverse when I grew up because I had mum's side of um, the Peruvian influence and she had two sisters out here. They all immigrated at different times. Um, but we definitely had that that influence of the Peruvian traditions, which are highly steeped in Catholic tradition but also highly superstitious, which we'll get into. But then dad's side um, was Aussie. Tracy, it strikes me, you kept saying, like, true blue Aussie as your background but like what even is that because it's mm, like true any true blue was like english and irish and all kinds of things yeah. and definitely for my dad my dad's mum was very irish her dad was um was from londonderry or derry as they say or a suburb not far from there and um and my pop side like his dad was very english so that's you know what I say in italics is Aussie, like he was English, Irish and mum was Peruvian. So some school holidays would be in Sydney. Um, I had a lot of family in Maroubra, so we'd be down there and other school holidays, we would be on a farm yeah, <laughs> just inland from Port Macquarie in a place called Beechwood and it would be the other side. So we very nearly came close to owning or part owning a dairy farm with my my godfather, my dad's brother. Well, being lactose intolerant, that would have sucked. And being lactose intolerant <laughs> <laughs> would have been really difficult. Divine intervention there by not owning yeah. the, the the dairy farm. hundred percent. So we had a diverse upbringing, my, my brother and I, which we were really fortunate for. But 
Anyway, when um, Shannon broached this topic of doing New Year's traditions, um, I thought that's awesome. And I know some from lived experience, like I said, I was over there for one, but growing up it was like, yeah, we'd put on yellow undies and it was good luck. And I was like, <laughs> cool, what does that mean? So you or, had to you know, put on yellow undies. At New Year's. Um, but I'll bring that up. <laughs> Just and, on New Year's. And eat grapes. And that's pretty much it. And so I spoke to my mum, knowing that this episode was coming up. Is that up. why there's grapes on that My beautiful there? mama. Yes. Okay. And that'll make, yes. So for Are you listeners. wearing yellow undies? Show us. No, because it's not New Year's. <laughs> it's not New Year's and they have to be new undies. Oh. oh so new, new undies on New Year's. Eve. Yellow undies. Okay. Absolutely. Well, you are at my I house on New Year's. So I will be dacking you. I'll flash you. All flash. Yeah. <laughs> And I want a mouthful of grapes in your mouth. Yeah, well, there's a significant number to those as well. Okay, well, make sure I have these prepared. So in in preparation for this, yeah, pop the cork, Shannon. (laughs) Oh, my God, that just sprayed all over the new rug. That's a good one. I like it. That's fantastic. New rug, you're like, oh. I love it. No, you're out of harm's way. It's okay. all good. good. And and <laughs> cheers to you, audience people who have just been with us. I know. What is still here? The good, bottle that's that we've a good popped? innings. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna while you ladies keep sort going. that out. I'm keep gonna going. keep going. I'm gonna push through because that's how committed I am to our listeners. But I'm also really interested. <laughs> I'm interested too. So I just want to acknowledge before I go on. So my mum, you know, and my lifetime of knowledge and her knowledge base, but my beautiful colour cousin Millie. I was going to say is, cousin. I reached <laughs> out to Millie, who's my youngest second cousin, um, and her knowledge base on Peruvian stuff is amazing. And she actually married a Peruvian slash Chinese husband oh, wow. just this past year. So the I culture thought in that. I've got my mum's, um, you know, take on things, my lived experience, but I wanted to reach out to my beautiful Carla, cousin, you. I did it again, cousin <laughs> Millie, um, for her information. So thanks, Millie. You and JC, your husband, have been amazing in your information. And um, thank you. So they've got, have they got children yet? She's pregnant. Oh my god! She's thirty weeks pregnant with a boy. Beautiful child. Yeah, and the most beautiful, beautiful, beautiful people. Like just so full of love. What that baby's gonna look like? Yeah, gorgeous. So he's gonna be Peruvian. He is Peruvian Chinese. Peruvian Chinese. The husband is. Where do they live? In Sydney. Okay, so (laughs) she's Peruvian. Well, she's born in Peru, but Aussie, like, moved out here when she was maybe two, probably 18 months. Sorry, Millie. (laughs) I remember we met them at the airport when they first immigrated Mm. in and we were just obsessed. But she's Peruvian. Yep. And he's Chinese Peruvian. Yep. Beautiful. This is going to be the most beautiful That was the wedding that we went to that I wore your dress at. Anyhow, Uh I'm sure our (laughs) listeners are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Stop drinking. (laughs) If our listeners are still listening, I'm so proud of you. But we (laughs) we will not stop talking until until we're through. So I do apologize. Lara has asked for a refill and she hasn't yet finished her drink. Yeah, I got denied. That's how slammed Lowry. Lowry is a cheap drunk. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if I just got really loud, I'm sorry. It's my my muff. Your muff (laughs) mic. You're hilarious, Tracy, because, like, you sit back and you turn to the side and your voice just changes in volume i'm the only one with headphones so you can't hear it but i can just every time i hear and i see your head move and i just i'm picturing my husband's voice just like 
his head. Oh, producer Maddie, I'm sorry. We love you, Maddie, and we love your audience, and love you, Shan. And I'm going to continue with what about me? You didn't say I love you, me. Oh, endlessly, (laughs) Tracy. (laughs) So anyhow. Do you just love Shan's witch's cackle? I have the best witch's cackle. For going minute of Keep the going. New Year. What happens <laughs> on New Year's? And many places in South America is a very busy first minute for a few reasons. Why? First minute of the New Year. Of the New Year. So, yep. so there's, and we'll get Dot into the traditions of the setup to it and, and what you wear and mm-hmm. all of that. But I want to talk about the first year. Yep. The first, first minute, minute of, of the, the year. year. Yep. So there's something called the 12 Lucky Grapes and that's um, sort of traced back to the Spaniard ties in South America. So it's introduced a very long time ago now. So in the first minute of the new year, it is said that if you eat 12 grapes one at a time, one grape signifies each month and a wish. So you eat one at a time. You say the month and your wish, and then you eat it. But you've got to do it within that first minute. Wow, that's the a lot. Good luck and prosperity to occur. But it doesn't stop there. Did you do more in that first minute? No, it's just, it's just <laughs> the twelve grapes. I'd be flatter you eating, guys are really eating high twelve grapes and thinking of everything in one minute. I know. Well, I think you've got to. You know, there's. Forethought that has to happen. You have to come in prepared. Yeah, you would have to be prepared. You need Definitely. to sort out what you want for the month of the year ahead. Yeah, You've got to have your grapes. Oh man, they're usually the green grapes without yep. seeds because green it's grapes. easy to eat. Okay, but, you know, no rules. Grapes, but when you're looking at grapes practicality, without yeah. a seed is much more. But pleasant. twelve in one minute. So what does that break down to in seconds? That's pretty like tight. But That's do a tight you window. have to have like swallowed and chewed and? And yes, everything before you bring the next one in. Do you have well, to like, intention? I think it depends on how you eat grapes. <laughs> so for our listeners, yeah, just so smaller than like a tablet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, for our listeners, like Laura's created this beautiful platter of obviously yep. more of what's to come. Which Shannon and I have no idea of what that is, <laughs> and I love that but too. There are some grapes, and earlier on, I may or may not have tipped my goblet of champagne over the grapes. <laughs> And Maya, um, Laura's youngest, may or may not have asked for some grapes and I may or may not have selected the ones that <laughs> had not been affected by the champagne that I'd spilled earlier. And so now there's only 18 grapes left. So I'm looking at 12 grapes in my hand and I'm thinking, how am I going to chew each one of those? It's a lot. In a minute. It's a, a minute lot. And set the intention and actually yep. not grape on the floor, which I just did. And mean to do that, what else do I have to do in that minute? What else do I have to do in that minute? <laughs> great question, Please Tracy. tell us, Laura. So it all depends on your priorities because when I reached out to Millie and she was telling me about some of the traditions that her husband has brought into the family, um, what? there's, there's okay. a couple of Peruvian ones that she has since adopted that she wasn't familiar with. So I'm glad that we have this other Peruvian influence. Mm. So thank you so much, JC. Um, so one is, the next one is called climbing a ladder. So next up on the six, on the 60 second challenge is the ladder climb. The ladder symbolizes your struggles throughout the year. The reason you climb the ladder is to get past your struggles and you touch your head on the ceiling to symbolise breaking through and succeeding in the year ahead. So you eat your grapes, you climb the ladder, you touch wow. your head on the ceiling, and then you come back down. 
So the symbolism behind that is exactly what I just talked about. And so what if you scared of heights like I am and well, ladders don't freak you out? Have to do that. <laughs> and it's dear to Millie. And when she was writing to me, she's like, the ladder thing's hilarious. I've never yeah. seen it or heard of it before, but it's great. And That's JC's awesome. family have, you know, practiced this. And she wrote, to be honest, the ladder thing is a first for me too. I've never heard of it, but maybe it's an interpretation of an older tradition. Yeah. Although, depending on what your biggest wish for the new year ahead is, you are going to need to prioritise your efforts. If you are hoping to travel in the new year, can anyone remember a time when that was an option worth entertaining? Mm, you know. simply <laughs> grab an empty suitcase and run around your block once. Mm. Or within the first minute oh, as well. Shit. So it just depends on what you want. You prioritise your time, you prioritise your efforts. The first minute what? of your new year is a big one. So you time either, to live in a valley. <laughs> so you either eat grapes, climb up a ladder or run around the neighbourhood with the empty suitcase. So I, think, I think the grapes is like the most common thing. So yeah. you've got to do the grapes so, but do you and do, choose something else. What if you the ate ladder. the grapes while climbing the ladder or ate the well, grapes just while... just don't choke. Not recommended. <laughs> chew <your> grapes. <laughs> So you don't have to do all three in you 60 don't have seconds. To. Well, it's your choice. That's what I mean. Like, you know what it symbolises? You know what you want for the new I'll year? I'll do, so you do what you want. Because I ain't running nowhere for anyone. <laughs> so You'll do of... grapes and running because yeah. you won't do the ladder for no one. True story. What would you do? <laughs> grapes. Always the grapes. That's what I mean. Like, I've... I've yeah, we know you I'm like to stick things in grapes. your mouth. But what's the second thing? A <laughs> <laughs> ladder or... Run. run around the block. I'm going to do the ladder. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky, because I've just decided that after you saying that, especially after the ones that I've got coming for Scandinavia later on, that New Year's Eve at my place is going to be full of New Year's Eve traditions. New Year's Eve traditions, if I can even speak properly. New Year's Eve traditions, (laughs) it's going to be made up of the ones that we've spoken about. I'm a little frightened now. fun. There you go. (laughs) There you you go. I got you. Don't worry. (laughs) I'm, I'm a little so, bit scared about sticking the, how many grapes? 12. 12, 12 grapes one, in my mouth. Yeah, one for each month. So also the next thing that we need to think about are our clothes oh. and maybe uh, coins. Coins? What? So if you want more money or a pay rise in the new year. Always. They say to put a coin in each of your shoe that you wear on New Year's Eve. So that's not in the first minute. That's just thinking about your clothing options. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you all know to come prepared to my house with coins right. in your shoes. I shall. So let's talk about planning your outfit colour. Mm-hmm. Or at a bare minimum, the colour of your underpants. Yellow. <laughs> matters. Yellow. Yeah. Yellow. So we've really come. And it was all yellow. <laughs> An item of new clothing for New Year in the chosen colour of what you wish to attract more of. In my cousin's information and my own experience, the main choice of colour in Peru, or at least in my own family, is by far yellow. And the item is usually undies. (laughs) (laughs) It could be because it's like the cheapest thing of a new item of clothing. But it's yellow and... Depends on how you value underwear. I value underwear. Underwear is not cheap the way that I value it. Well, depends where you buy your underwear for, I suppose. I like to value underwear. Yeah, yeah, you do. (laughs) And at this age, I suppose it's different. But like I said, I spent a New Year's in Argentina and I will get to that too because a lot of the traditions being South American countries overlap for sure. So we did New Year's in Argentina, but then... Shortly after that, within a day or two, we travelled to Peru and I remember arriving in Peru, getting shown around the house and there was, you know, 
washing on the line and there was just a row after <laughs> row of yellow underpants. Who's like, house? Even at 12, my tea allowed her. So, yeah, who I'm Who's named that? after. My mum's sister. One, one of my mum's sisters. You're named after your mum's sister. That's yes, so beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So she never left Peru. So but Tia she is aunt and Laura is yeah. your name. Yeah. Tia Laura. Yeah. So That's she, beautiful. she brought up, um, you know, my aunties and my mum and stuff Aww. and stayed behind in Peru. Um, yeah, which is beautiful. So we arrived there and there was lots of yellow undies on the line. Which is I that all they made? Is that what we Well, I was well aware that I had just been wearing yellow <laughs> underpants a couple of nights before as well, so I knew what that meant. I'm wearing blue undies. Why are they all yellow undies? Well, yellow represents prosperity. So other colours are red for love, green for money, and white for peace, which is very popular in Brazil, because mm-hmm. I know, Shan, you're looking at Brazil things at some stage for New Year's, and white, I think, in Brazil... The whole outfit is white and that's Mm. purity and love and everything like that. It's very tied to a saint or some sort of Mm -hmm. religious ceremony, which is more Portuguese sort of based. Anyhow, um, so like my beautiful cousin Millie says, generally new clothing is the key. No need to look like a banana. (laughs) I have no problem buying a new outfit for New Year's. I think we should all wear yellow. To your party should That's be yellow given. themed. You're all going to receive an invitation that is very specific. Mm-hmm. Yellow. Come like a banana. <laughs> um, another thing that Millie decided to share with me um, from JC's family is the gift of lentils. So gifting a tiny bag of lentils symbolises abundance. That's why the lentils is on yes, the platter that beautiful. you yeah. with the grapes. So she, Millie tells me that a tiny wrapped packet of lentils gifted to you is symbolic of abundance, just a small pack that fits in your palm or pocket. When I asked what happens to this gift after news, so that's yours, Tracy, Aww, that's yours, Shannon. <laughs> so I loved that and I love that it symbolises abundance. And then I had to write back and ask what happens to it after news. Yeah. Um, and you tuck it says, into you, your nude shade undies? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't have so you carry it with you and on you in a pocket, in your bra, just enough, just small enough to fit into the palm of your hand. <laughs> and afterwards, she said, you can place some of them into the coin zipper of your purse if you carry it or just put the whole thing in your handbag. And she says she usually, to be honest, puts the whole thing in a bigger handbag. By the end of the year, there's lentils everywhere at the bottom of the handbag. <laughs> um, and for guys, it's in their pockets. There's just like loose lentils, lentils. everywhere. But I, I like the thought of that. It's really cute. And I, I think you're it. never going to starve. That's <laughs> true. You've always got some lentils. That's right. That's beautiful. Yeah. So... Um, in terms of decor, my beautiful um, cousin goes on, um, a bunch of fresh yellow flowers at home is good luck and you lay out a small bowl containing lentils, rice, money, coins and something else, but I forgot. Thanks, Millie, whatever that is. I thought you were paying, I you were paying me for recording with the money that was laying here. Yeah, go for it. But it all symbolises abundance for the new year ahead. Aww. And also the Burning Man. Mm. So in Peru and most South American countries, so we practiced this, this in Argentina when I was there, and I'll show you guys a photo later. I meant to have it here, but I totally forgot. I've got the album just out there, but I didn't pull the photo out. Anyhow, there, it's also a custom where you make a big doll, often human-sized, dress it in old clothes and fill it with firecrackers and burn it up on the street curb in front of your house. 
Not entirely sure why they do this, but everyone, every household does it, probably to burn the previous year away like a fresh start. Mm -hmm. I have a question. Is that illegal in Australia? It's probably highly illegal in Australia, like yeah, everything. Yeah, I dare say. <laughs> but I remember when we were in Argentina, <laughs> kind of feel like we did that. Away with wow. It. Like in the days leading up to it, there was broomsticks come out and we put old clothes of my cousin's um, on it and there was an old basketball stuck on its head. And you oh can see gosh. in the photo 1996 because that was the year, or 1995, yeah. Um, and um, my cousin was playing the drumsticks, those drumsticks, it's just hilarious. Wow. And, then, and we lit it on fire and burnt burnt the guy but there was like the these rice paper lanterns floating over everyone's oh fences gosh. and stuff like i don't i'm not recommending this it's a super <laughs> yeah. awesome this is not memory advice but it yeah. was really cool and i remember asking you know why are we all doing this and they're like it's just things that you want to let go of from this year you want to ta- you don't want to take into the next mm. year um and oh, i just loved it, it was so awesome. much fun yeah it was really smoky but it was cool and i was smoky. 12 so everything was cool and all my like i was the baby i was the younger so anything that anyone ever did was just amazing so. and you were missing out on your year six formal which like yes this i feel like this is at the time, it would have been like the worst thing in the world to miss out on music formal. But in hindsight, it's like that was so much Do you more. Know, we really whipped it around into perspective within a day or two because it was like it was so obvious. Mm. You know, I'm not it was such sure a shame, that, but it was pretty. Do you pretty know what obvious. though? I'm not sure many kids would have seen it from that perspective. Yeah, it's hard not to though. Yeah, it's really hard not to when you're a world away and it's so amazing. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, oh, I love that for you. I do. It was, it was it's awesome. beautiful. And, there I, and is... you know, I came home and and I dreamed about travelling ever since. And that's why yeah. as soon as I could, I took off again. Honest, truly, there's not one day that went by that I didn't think about that holiday and wow. how big the world was and how desperate I was to get back out again. Yeah. You know, and that's what I did as soon as I could. Does that make you feel like with with your girls, Luciana and Maya, that you want to do that for them too? I think, yeah, if they don't want to go, we'll probably take them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but do you feel like you kind of want to give them the gift of potentiality around that? Yeah, well, yeah, however that looks like for them. I think they've grown up and we're very open talking about how we travel because, you know, I was lucky enough to travel with Matt when we were older and that's, you know, we often talk about our times overseas in Scotland and travelling Europe and, you know, they're acutely aware that Mimi's from Peru and we often, you know, Luciana's done heaps now of school projects talking about Peru and Machu Picchu and all sorts of things so the world is is not as large as it was even mm. when we grew up it's so more accessible and well you know you can it? connect physically. <laughs> it will be it yeah will be. but physically even you know through you know YouTube and everything you know people on the on the other side of the world Back in the day, it was pen pals. Now it's a Zoom. Or and now it's SS through DNA. So one little last note on the Peruvian sort of New Year's and holiday foods. When I was asking my cousin about it, and Tracy, I liked how you mentioned the hot chocolate <laughs> with all the kind of added extras. Um, my cousin wrote that Tia Lauda, which is her, so it's my Tia Lauda, but it's her grandmother. So mm. her, so Millie's. Um, father is my cousin and is the son of my Tia Lauda. So she used to make the hot chocolate on the stovetop with cinnamon and they would eat panetton and that's good for breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert, any time of the day really. What's panetton? Panetton. Well, we've got some out there. It's just like a light sponge cake with 
fruit in it, like right. sultanas and everything. And yeah, this time of year, it's you know you just eat it eat whenever it. you <laughs> bloody want to eat it. Really, it's awesome. You can dip it. I've dipped it in my coffee or hot chocolate and eat it like that, or just butter it. It's like made with lashings of oh butter, God, but you I'm put hungry. butter on it. It's just delicious. It's like fruit toast, okay, um, mixed with a sponge cake, I suppose. Yeah. Anyhow. So she was talking about that um, and the only thing I uh, wanted to mention on top of that was either, you know, roast pork, turkey, that's similar to what we're all familiar with, um, or ceviche, which is the the meat, uh, the sorry, the, the fish, yeah, cooked in the lemon juice mm-hmm. depending on affordability. Um, but also she mentioned that quinoa in Peru and everyone these days is familiar with quinoa and how it is from Peru and how it's like a health food and entire mm-hmm. protein in a, in a grain, which is unusual. Um, but it's over there, it's seen as a poor person's food. So it's never something that's taken out and celebrated as something, you know, to be proud of signifying abundance because it's a poor person's food. Wow. So, like pasta, like Baked macaroni. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the foods over there is, you know, cooked to be spread and to go go. It's like an abundance. Yeah. Yeah. Like potatoes. It goes yeah, all the way. Yeah, potatoes is a big thing and rice over there and the mm. lentils and everything. It's and filling. And she does write that um, she always likes to think of Peruvian food as a double or triple carb meal, carb meal with one protein like rice, potato, extra carb or starch of your choice and meat. <laughs> So thank you so much, Millie. Side. It's been amazing um, contacting you and writing with you Thanks, to learn Millie. more about Peru. Yeah, it's I been amazing. That. I love that. Yeah, and her, her full name translates to miracle and she Aww. truly is. Just oh, miracle. no way. Can you True imagine? Story. Yeah. Beautiful. My name translates to shoe. Well, it doesn't. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Hang oh on. It doesn't God. translate to shoe. It does I got that wrong. After after five goblets, chalices, whatever you want to call it, or maybe even six, it doesn't translate to shoe. <laughs> but I was named after a shoe. So when oh, my mom and yes. dad met, my mom used to work in what is now known as Maya, but it used to be known as farmers. My mum used to work in the lingerie department and my dad used to work in the shoe department. Ooh la la. Ooh. And my dad was unpacking shoes and he came across the name of a shoe when my mum was pregnant and it was named Tracy. <laughs> and so it was either going to be Kimberly or, or Tracy. Tracy. And so I was named after. And so apparently my dad and mum's friends, who my dad knew through golf because my dad's a golfer and I think also through maybe pool because my dad's a pool, like a snooker player. Yep. And they used to be um, like um, temping bowling, snooker and squash players back then, mm-hmm. like in the, before they fell pregnant with me. And the friend that fell pregnant at the same time, they called their daughter who was born before me, Kimberly. Ah, so they took so the name. We, we took Tracy and I was named after a shoe. I was named after my dad's next door neighbour's cat. No, 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 no not cat. <laughs> no, there was a woman, there was a girl called Shannon Pryor who lived oh. next door to my dad on the farm in Kempsey. He's like named Shannon. And he loved the name Shannon and... My mum, my mum yeah. loved the name Ashley. Weird because oh, I have Asher Moon Asha in my business, and my yeah, well, my mum wanted to call me Ashley. My dad was adamant about Shannon. Shannon, but then Shannon. What's is your middle name? Monica, after oh. my grandmother. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. 
and who is not known as Monica. Yeah, and Shannon <laughs> translates. It it's Irish, and it yeah. translates to small wise one. Uh-huh. <laughs> so go figure. Beautiful. Small wise one. Small wise one. Small wise one. Shoe <laughs> and auntie. And Laura. Mm-hmm. Auntie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love My it. My beautiful auntie. It's like my name for me has no substance and I've always loved names that have substance and I feel like if you're someone who has a name that has substance, you should know mm. what that substance is. Yep. You can Absolutely. also grow into the substance. Like your your name is beautiful. Yes. But I love you that are. you your name is named after an aunt that raised the family. Yeah, she sacrificed a lot. She's an amazing person. And we were talking earlier about in Australia and a lot of English speaking countries, it's obviously spelt Laura, but for the you know, the point of my name, we've always insisted that it's pronounced Laura. Mm. And I nearly fell over on the day here on the Central Coast where I met a Dr. Laura and her surname is Laura and she insists on it being pronounced Laura. So everyone calls her Dr. Laura. She corrects him and says, actually, it's Laura. And I'm the same, but it's very unusual. Mm. So her surname is Laura. Yeah, and oh, she has wow. Italian from memory, Italian background. So anywhere Latin-speaking Actually, the majority of the world would say Laura because they pronounce their vowels Laura, like Aldi. We don't say, okay. you know, like the car brand, although I know you have an uncle that you say Audi. He's his uncle Audi in the Philippines, but it's Audi, like the AU is the vowels. It's yeah. different Audi. But we were talking about when you read it, you still read it Laura. And that's fine too. Like I answer to all kinds of names like Lara, Liara, Laura, Lara, Lauren. And it means crowned with laurel. And so the original Olympics, you didn't win a gold medal. You won a crown of laurel. And yeah, so that's wow. where the name Laura comes from. It's being crowned with laurel. Beautiful. Aww, yeah. Shannon, we've been crowned with laurel. I love that. <laughs> I love that. So either way, any way you look at it, it's a pretty cool name. And it is. It's, it was the name that I was in, acutely embarrassed by. You know, growing up in the 80s, different. you wanted to assimilate. You didn't want to be different. Whereas these days, um, as different as names are and whatever meanings are attached to them or not, different names are pretty cool these days and not yeah. the norm. Um, but back when I grew up, it was not. Different and was different. Different was really different. A and I didn't want to be Laura. Out. I desperately wanted to be Laura. And now mm. I'm so proud and so happy to be Laura and, and different and, yeah. and honour that. Mm. And it's only with age and a bit of maturity that, that, that you know, you reach that destination. Mm. But I'm happy to and it, and it is an honour. And to represent my beautiful Arnie is amazing and I'm so proud. You should be. Mm, I am. And I hear you because when I was a kid, I went to school with three boys who were called Shannon and I was the only girl Shannon. Yeah. Well, one of my best friends is Boy called Shannon, Shannon and I, I love her dearly as I love you and I love Tracy. <laughs> and yeah, and it's another reason why you just make so much sense to me. <laughs> well, I remember going home and being like, why did you call me a boy's name? Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't until I got to like high school. I was in year six with two boys called Shannon in my year six class. Oh, God. And it wasn't until I got high school and then I met other Shannons that were female. Yeah. And I've grown to love the name, but yep. yeah, for a long time there, I was like, why didn't you just call me Sharon or something yep. that's obviously. Sheila. <laughs> Shazza. My other name was Peter. If my dad had oh, to say it, okay. it would have been Peter. So another sex name. There you go. <laughs> well, if I was a boy, I was meant to be Sam. 
Oh. It's a family name, Samuel. Yep. yep. Mm. So like a plain J name, yep. isn't it? Very Samuel. straightforward. What was your boy names meant to be? I, I never had a boy name. Aaron. My Aaron. Aaron for you. There you go. So I remember my sister, I remember, so I was nine when my pregnant, my, my parents fell pregnant with my sister and they said, if it's a boy, it's going to be Aaron and Aaron Terrence and Terrence is my grandfather's uh, name. So in my family, it's tradition to do the first name is the middle name. Yep. So my grandfather is Terrence George and my, my dad is Brett Terrence and my Grandfather, who is Terence George, his father's name was George something. Yeah. Um, and um, so for a boy, I would have been Aaron Brett. Yeah, my sister wow. would have been Aaron Brett. But I remember saying to my parents, if you have a boy and you call it Aaron, because at the time I simply remember that there was a TV show and I cannot for the life of me remember what the TV show was, but the boy's name, the main character in the TV show's name was Aaron. It's like if you can imagine watching a home and away or neighbours and the boy's <laughs> name was Aaron and I was like, you cannot name my my brother Aaron. Like the boy, I'm going to run away. And it was like the worst thing ever. And then it came out a girl and it was when the, um, when the Olympics were on and there was a diver named Paige. Mm. And oh, nice. That Paige and my sister's name is Ashley Page, oh. and then and they always like the named Ashley, and then they saw this diver named Page, and they said if it's a girl, it's Ashley Page, and if it's a boy, it's Aaron Brett, <laughs> and yeah, that it was, was Ashley. Just it. And I'm like, I'm running away. If it's a boy, and his name's Aaron. That's an awful name. It's an ugly name. Like, and I'm not. And it's so not cool. Sorry to any Aaron's listening to no, this podcast. I, know. I love the name Aaron. <laughs> time it was more about not the name but it was just like the name Aaron is so gross because at the time like the home Sorry, away neighbors show was just like that's a it was like the protagonist yeah in mm. the series like as if you'd want to be named Aaron yeah <laughs> my so, best friend when my brother went to school was the dog my dad and mum bought me and we called her Ashley oh I loved her she was my baby and Paige we wanted to, we liked the name Paige, but Paige Turner, unless you're going to be an author, oh, Paige Turner <laughs> wouldn't have made sense. But I loved the name Paige. <laughs> I never thought of that, Paige Turner. That's so good. That's it was awesome. Until, yeah, when I got paid, I was like, I really like the name Paige. I'm like, Paige Turner. Paige Turner. Well, it would have been a great author name and maybe it could be a great yeah, true. author name true. in future. Maybe Anyhow. Luciana and Maya have yep. a have a name in them. There's a good super name there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Anyhow. Shall I get back to the... <laughs> oh, we're going to be here yeah. until next week. I know, right? Please do. Thanks so for So thank you, in. listeners, yeah. for listening in this long. It's so a long Totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> we said it was a special for a we reason. Did. Yep. So my next country is the Philippines and I wanted nice. to discover something that I didn't know. Yep. So, I and then this. I figured out that Tracy actually has ties to the Philippines, yeah. which so I think that's amazing. So my dad's sister, my aunt, my auntie Wendy, she married a Filipino man who is my uncle Audie. And so my two cousins, Nicole and Kieran Godinas, are half Filipino, half Australian. And so I grew up a lot with the Filipino culture. So my my Filipino, their family, so like their grandmother and grandfather are my Lola and my grandfather. So Lola is grandma and Filipino. Mm. My VA, my virtual assistant, is Philippine. 
So Eunice, she's from the Philippines. I have a lot to do with the Philippines. And when they had the typhoon a few years ago, my uncle and my auntie are now divorced. And my uncle's living was living over in the Philippines then with a new wife and two young children. And when the typhoon hit, he we thought he was dead. And it was so random. One day I was sitting watching the news and my cousins who were like, we're a very small family. There's my sister and I and my two cousins and that's it. Oh, wow. So we're very, very, very close, very close. And I was sitting watching the news and I think I was like feeding Alaska when she was a baby and I was watching the news and it was SBS about this typhoon that had hit in the Philippines. And then all of a sudden I see my uncle or oh he just God. come oh across gosh. the screen. It's live TV and he grabs the microphone and he's like, I need my family in Australia to know that I'm okay. And it was wow. seven, eight days wow. after we thought he was dead. My so gosh. I, I, I will never forget that day ringing my cousins and my aunt just saying, I've seen him on SBS. You need to go on the TV. He's alive. He's okay. Everyone's okay. He's telling us this is and this. So the Philippines is a place that's really special to my heart, which was really strange because you had no idea. I literally plucked this out of Google. No, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, I did. Like I had Scotland, obviously, and then I was yeah. like, what other country can I look into that I have no idea about? I want to discover. Yeah. I want to discover more. And, and the country is the Philippines. I know. I chose the Philippines and it was Perfect, obviously guys. orchestrated. So. Anyway, dear listeners, so for centuries the Filipinos have practiced various customs to greet the incoming year. Many of these traditions have been passed on from one generation to the next. A number of them have been influenced by the Chinese and the Spanish. During New Year's Eve, Filipino families, relatives and friends gather for a lavish feast at midnight known as the Media Noche that symbolises their hopes for prosperity and abundant year ahead. This tradition is most likely inherited from the Spaniards who colonised the country more than 300 years ago. It's also common to stay awake to greet in the coming (laughs) New Year. New Year's Day is also characterised by Filipinos lighting fireworks and making a lot of noise to drive away evil spirits. This belief originated from the Chinese. The elderly encouraged children to jump at the stroke of midnight so that they would grow up tall. Which I found really cute. And Filipinos are traditionally short. Well, there you go. (laughs) And legend says that if you leave the the doors open just before midnight, it rids your home of the previous year and welcomes in the new one. And I think we all need to do this to say goodbye to 2021, just saying. Yes, fuck yeah. (laughs) All the doors open. All the doors. And many people display 12 circular fruits, as Laura just said about the grapes, as a centrepiece on their table and wear clothing with polka dots to symbolise money. Filipinos believe that round shapes are a symbol for prosperity and fortune. This tradition was inherited from the Chinese. Fruits with thorns like pineapple and jackfruit are avoided as the thorns symbolise problems or obstacles ahead. Eating food made from sticky rice will bind families together Aww. stronger. You can also eat long noodles for a long not life. Oh my god! And I grew good up health and good fortune. There you go. And many Filipinos make sure their water and rice containers are full during the New Year's celebrations mm-hmm. to have abundance all year long. We would have the rice cookers on, like whenever oh we would go. go to Lola's or my aunt, who was Aussie, married to the Filipino. There'd just be a rice cooker permanently that's why and noodles there you go noodles and rice 
Mm. I love that. (laughs) And another popular practice, especially among children, is to fill up your pockets with coins and shake the pockets at midnight. You can also scatter the coins around your home, place inside drawers on tables to bring more luck and money. Now, there are some things you should not do at New Year's. Mm -hmm. Abstain from eating chicken and fish as they're associated with scarcity. Mm. It's also believed that not spending a single peso on the first day of the year will lead to a better financial, financial, sorry, I've had lots of champagne, (laughs) management for the rest of the year. So there are many people who would rather stay at home on New Year's Day to avoid spending money. Oh. Yeah, big thing. Yeah. Peso. It's like don't spend. Don't spend them on New Year's Day. It's telling you, well, it's, it's telling it's like an intention it's like if Mm. i don't spend then everything that i get in the new year i don't want to have to be out of pocket Mm. i love that so that is the philippines and i loved researching it was really interesting yeah filipinas are like the happiest people i mean there's lots of happier happy people but they're just such a happy culture Mm. I love culture. And they love polka dots. Love polka dots. On New Year's. I love that. (laughs) And we grew up with Christmas as well, um, always Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. So Christmas Eve would always be the the Godinas, which is the Filipino side of the family. They would always go to Lola and Grandpa's, Grandfather's house and they would do Christmas Eve, which for us it was always Christmas Day as an Aussie. And then when I met Matt, it was always Christmas Eve too. So for the Maltese on Christmas Eve, it's the biggest. Like Christmas Eve is bigger than Christmas Day. Yeah, yeah, definitely for yeah. us too. Beautiful. It, it's American. so beautiful. It's a stroke of midnight. Baby Jesus is born. Oh, yeah. You stay okay. up till midnight. You open uh-huh. presents. Yeah, open presents. Oh, wow. Yeah, the nativity scene set off. And Same. the lady of the house brings baby Jesus forward, <gasps> puts baby Jesus out. And it's a big celebration. You open all your presents. And Such then a Roman Catholic tradition. It's very Roman Catholic, yeah. yeah. And then the three wise men mm-hmm. later Procession. on. Procession. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And often, you know, you're packing away everything else and the nativity scene is still going and then you bring the three wise men out. Everything else is gone, but you still have to wait until you bring them out. It's so wow. interesting. Like, as my mother-in-law has aged and people have died and Christmas has become a different kind of thing for her, it's much more of a sign of the people that have gone rather than people that are still here, which is really sad, but I can understand. And I mean, she's in her late 80s. She's mourning and she's the eldest in her family at the moment, so she's grieving. And... Um, it's it's become like a switch it's kind of like um the preparation and the honor of it is something and now it's more of a um sit down and realize what you're missing Mm. Uh, and it's very different like Mm. when we talk about christmas now with my mother-in-law she's like i don't want to think about it oh and it's really sad, but what it really shows is how important family mm, is yeah. to them and how Christmas, New Year's, all of those holiday celebrations that we have, those Sabbaths, those yeah. landmarks, for all of those European places and even the South American places, it's it's so family-driven. Absolutely, and that's and if, why the Day of the Dead is big too. Yeah. Correct. That's when you celebrate everyone that's passed. And if there's no family... It's really hard if you're not taught the traditions, if you're not taught the ways, if mm. you're not taught the culture or the history, then it's really hard to keep that yeah. continuing. 
And I see my mother-in-law and we now have Christmas at my house and we did that for the first time last year and it was the most beautiful thing ever. And this year, I can't wait for you guys to come up here to have it. But the last thing she wants to think about is Christmas, whereas when I first met her, Christmas was this most spectacular display. Yeah. So it's so Christmas is so closely tied to it is memory, close to family, Absolutely. yeah, and family. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to move on to Denmark, or actually, I'm going to move on to Scandinavia. Yeah, and Scandinavia includes multiple countries that kind of exist in mm-hmm. that. So I've got some like little snippets for all the little Scandinavian countries. So I'm going to start with Denmark because, like you have. Um, I have this kind of like affiliate with like, like you have with Helsinki Mm -hmm. with Finland, which I'm going to talk about in a second, but I have this really weird thing with with Denmark and I never even knew where Denmark was or even was even give a shit about Denmark until Princess Mary. <laughs> Princess Mary. Yeah, exactly, in the 2000 Olympics. We all and then, love Princess Mary. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I just like my Greek. But anyway, just for myself. Fair. And I've, I, I've told Alaska that she's going to marry off to the Denmark, the, the Copenhagen okay. royal family. The Danish anyway, royalty. Yeah, yeah she, it was like a birthright. It was like, <laughs> you are the Copenhagen Danish royalty. <laughs> Go forth. forth. (laughs) So, seems the Danes know how to party because traditionally many Danes see in the new year with friends eating together and what they do is all Danes tend to watch the Queen's New Year speech at 6pm. So at 6 o'clock every night on New Year's Eve, this speech has been a tradition since the 1880s. Wow. Yeah, so it's kind of like a just thing. It's like over in England, we watch the Queen's speech, for example. Over mm-hmm. here, it's a little bit different. But over in Denmark, they watch the Queen Marguerite's speech. Um, and it's so, like, such a culture that bookies even take bets on, like, what Gladys, like oh, what Gladys no. has done. It's like, what colour is she going to be wearing? Wow. You know, what's she going to be talking about? And what, you know, whatever. But ultimately, always, um, Queen Marguerite's speech ends with um, thanking the people of Greenland and the Faroe Islands and ends on the same three words every time since the ruler um, of, since this, this has been um, exposed to the public. It's always ended on, and I'm going to completely brutalize this again, um, <laughs> Go but on. it is good, Barver, Denmark which translates to God preserve Denmark, which is beautiful. Mm. Um, I think it's just like the ultimate, it's just like spirit watch over my country. Mm. And, and I love that, you know. I don't pretend to um, subscribe to the God ideology, but I do believe in that higher purpose, obviously. So then they watch this, and it's ridiculous because you'll hear about this a little bit later, but... They watched this, what is known as a slapstick comedy black and white film called Dinner for One, which if you Google, if all our listeners Google on YouTube Dinner for One, you can watch this. It only goes for about 18 minutes. But it's written by a British author named Laurie Wiley, and it was written in the 1920s. And it's bizarrely become one of the most popular repeated programs ever when it comes to Scandinavia and um, like the UK kind of history. 
and it's loved by Danes and Germans mostly. So um, you'll see later on that in the um, Swiss, Germanic and Danish kind of culture, this movie is, is such a cultural aspect. So this whole movie, though, is a comedy and it features this main character named Miss Sophie. And she's like this lone, blind spinster. So no kids, single, and she's blind. And then she has this butler named James. And James, every New Year's, treats Miss Sophie with, like, a group of friends. But he plays the character of all the friends because she doesn't know. And so the friends are Mr. Winterbottom, Admiral Von Schneider, and Sir Toby and Mr. Pomeroy. And so by the end, though, <laughs> the butler, James, is fucking, like, hammered. Like us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's entertaining Miss Sophie, his, like, mistress of the house who is blind with all these different voices and characters. And oh he's having, God. like, the absolute time of his life. That sounds so random. So this movie is something that was created in the 1920s, directed by British author Laurie Wiley, and it's something that all Danes watch on New Year's Eve <laughs> as a tradition. It's just like, let's not like take life so seriously. Be careful what you can't see. Like You never know what you're blind to. You know, all of these subliminal messages yeah. behind that, which they don't really focus on. But from my perspective, when I was reading that, I'm like, the subliminal messages behind that are insane. So remind you if you're watching it every year, isn't it? Correct. So, um, so sort of since the 1980s, the Dinner for One has been aired on mainstream TV. That was just the sound of our Shannon opening <laughs> up a bottle of something or other. <laughs> Um, and so pretty much everyone will watch that and then um, they will then go on to doing something that's actually really, really funny. There's a lot of drinking and eating and celebrating and all that kind of stuff. Everyone will pretty much go on to the countdown to midnight, which is from Copenhagen's town call square, which is called the, and I'm going to butcher this, so anyone from the... From Denmark, <laughs> please tell me. But it's something like Rushbladen. <laughs> um, but basically there in the capital, um, in the square, the fireworks run from sundown of New Year's Eve to sunset. Wow. So it's like sun, It's like fireworks from sunset to sunrise. That's which hectic. Which would be amazing. That's a lot. That's a lot, yeah. Mm. yeah. But at midnight, what they do after they've watched dinner for, for one, and gotten absolutely shit-faced on <laughs> Butler James and Miss Sophie and all of the funness that's involved in that, which they watch every year since they're little teeny tiny babies, is at midnight there is this scramble and there is a lot of alcohol. Like they drink a lot. And there is this scramble <laughs> to find, no matter where you are, there's a scramble to find the highest place wherever you are and to jump off the highest place. So this wow. Shannon will scare the fucking shit out of you. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> Which a we're going to do hearts. on New Year's in my house. Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Which is my roof. Oh, actually, it's the trees, so we'll see. But it's no to jump off tree. because the belief is that it is good luck to jump into the new year and the higher you jump, the better the luck. And it's <laughs> bad luck if you don't jump. Oh, I'll jump a little. 
Yeah. <laughs> so you have a little bit of good luck. So they sing a song which is gonna, you know, completely brutalize this and there's no kind of like English translation into it, but is a sing along song to basically old angs old angs. Oh my god. So hammered. Old angs. Old angs. But it's very welcoming off. Essentially, it translates to welcome the Lord's New Year. And they sing that over and over again, pretty okay. much like we sing Old Anxiety. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they indulge in a slice of Kransagi, which is so not the way they say it, but it's the way I'm saying it. <laughs> and this is essentially these, um, it's called, it's like in English, it's like a wreath cake. So if you can imagine, it's like creating these wreath shaped almond cookies and there's 18 of them but they're all different sizes and they're shaped like a tower so it's like the bottom the bottom wreath is bigger and it's shaped up to a smaller tower and the cake's towering shape is said to symbolize a cornucopia promising happiness and wealth for the coming year ahead cornucopia correct that one (laughs) beautiful so they also come out around Christmas time, but New Year's as well. A lot of the kids play tricks, and um, it's believed that there is these mythical creatures known as Nisir. Um, they come out and they eat all your porridge around Ooh. Christmas time. Um, and what's really cool is that this is a country, Denmark is a country that assigned $530,000 to the investigation of mythical creatures. I love wow. that. So they I are love con- that. They are also a country that – I didn't write this down, so I'm pulling this from my ass, but with a little bit of memory. <laughs> they are a country that also believe, like, something like a third of the percentage of the population in their consensus put down that they believe in ghosts. Wow. And that they believe that you can contact them and they believe that they have something that can share you from the past, present, and future – and Denmark is one of those countries that has no problem It's fucking awesome, that. basically. So cool. That's why I said, like, I'm moving to these Scandinavian <laughs> countries. Yeah. And so very quickly I'm going to move on to Finland, part of Scandinavia. One Finnish tradition tradition is, metal, is melting tin. Miniature tin horseshoes are melted in a pan and poured into a bucket of cold water. As the tin hits the water, it cools instantly and re-solidifies. The resulting random shapes are there are then interpreted to predict a person's future health, wealth, and happiness. Whenever wow. I've participated in this kind of fortune telling, I've received only positive news. In fact, everyone else did as well. And this was someone who went to Finland who really wanted, um, who had um, the Finnish culture as part of them, who was sort of reporting on their traditions and customs. And they, they felt that this is one of those things that just felt natural to them and home to them. Nice. Um, and there's Norway. And so since 1960, generations of Norwegians have settled in front of the television at 7.30 p.m. on New Year's Eve to watch King Harold's New Year speech. Eating pork is considered to be a symbol of abundance of food resources in one's life in the coming year. And apart from eating and drinking, music and dance are integrally involved in New Year celebrations in Norway. There is also a tradition as part of which small children went to all the houses in the neighborhood while singing special New Year New Year songs. And in turn, people that would open the door to these children would give them candles. 
but this also closely resembles their Halloween-like tradition in Norway um, during the time of New Year, which is referred to as... I'm going to brutalise it again. Go Why on. do I get all of these terms? Give but it it's good. like... We love you for it. Neat us buck. Nice. That's exactly how I'm sure That's exactly. Yeah, me too. And it's Pyro from Tazbuck. People dress up fancily and make a visit to friends and family members who in turn treat them with drinks. As part of New Year's traditions, people also prepare the symbolic dish of rice pudding with an almond in between it. It is sweet in taste and eating it is believed to confer with one with a sweet here ahead. Mm. Also, one who gets the hidden almond cut out of the rice pudding is considered to have the lucky year ahead Mm. with lots of wealth and fortune in favour. And then last but not least, there's Sweden, which is part of the Scandinavia. Um, And it turns out there's two versions of that famous movie, Dinner for One. (laughs) And so the Swiss have a shortened one shown in Sweden, which um, is much more of a just focus on the funny parts and forget the rest kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the weirdest traditions about New Year's in Sweden is that um, despite the many aching heads and sore tummies after the previous night's revelry, many Swedes settle into their annual treat, the 1982 film adaptation, adaptation of Ivanhoe. So people watch this movie of Ivanhoe, which is so fucking stupid, it's not even funny. It's not stupid, but it's just like, why would you sit and watch that? People watch it. But what they do, what they do is they, it is famous in Sweden for everyone that's watching this movie to order this pizza. And this pizza is called the kebab pizza, (laughs) which is exactly what it sounds like, which is a pizza top basically with kebab. That's exactly what I feel like. Uh Uh-huh. And it's covered with kebab sauce, which who knows what the fuck that is. <laughs> and on New Year's Day, apparently it is the, like, on New Year's Day, in all of the studies that have been shown, it is the most popular thing that's ordered on any one day from why. the Swedes. Mm. It is this Turkish pizza. So obviously hangover food. It's just like say, us going to get a kebab. I would like to get a kebab pizza on New Year's Day myself. Correct. Correct. So, correct. 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 <laughs> I've caressed it and I've corrected it. <laughs> and we so, all concur. This is, how bad, this is how bad that has been corrected in Crissette. Um, <laughs> um, I've had way too many champagnes. <laughs> okay. So apparently an MP once proposed to the country's parliament that on January 1st it should be turned into kebab pizza day. Oh, my gosh. To honour the culinary monstrosity. Bring that person here. Uh I know, right? Yes, please. So also what happens for the Swedes is on New New Year's Day, it is... (laughs) The girls are losing themselves. I mean, New Year's Day. So on New Year's Day, it is tradition that a famous actress or actor that comes from Sweden reads out a famous translation of Alfred Tennyson's poem, Ring Out Wild Bells. So since the mid-1890s, it's been a tradition where it's broadcasted across the TV um, as the clock turns midnight. If you're like one of the old people sitting at home and you're not out partying, then you're going to sit and watch the TV. 
I'm trying to keep my cool, but both of these girls are losing it. They will watch the actresses and actors in time gone by read out this famous poetry. And so that's a bit of a tradition too. And um, ideally they should time the poems that they finish it just as the bells begin to strike midnight. If they don't manage that, then the whole performance will be labelled a failure by tabloids the next day. So the Swedes are obviously very, 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 very critical. The other thing too is that the Swedes really take into, um, like it's a huge importance to them as to who you've been hugged by at the time of midnight. So it doesn't matter if you know the person or if you've ever met them before, um, but basically if you've hugged someone at midnight, you are forever known as hugging friends forever. Oh, that's so cute. Hugging friends. That's adorable. Love it. I am really surprised at you two being able to compose yourself (laughs) to speak normally. (laughs) Really? You had me going a good one. I don't even know what I was getting you laughing at. I can't remember either. (laughs) I don't know. The magic of booze. It's all good. I'm done. I'm done. You're done. Scandinavia. You two are done, and now and it's to our my listeners, turn. Yeah. it's a long haul, but hey, it's New Year's. It's New Year's. It's party time. Listen, party time. Have Excellent. fun with us. Hopefully, we haven't turned us off. And Laura's got some really cool stuff to share. Just some fast, interesting facts about our calendar, and that just sounds really boring, but it's actually not really boring it's because interesting. When we got uh, thinking about New Year's, and it naturally got me curious. Um, as it did before I got married because, you know, normally when people get married, it's a religious ceremony. And I was thinking, well, why should what? I bother getting married? Because... Why? Mm. What do you mean normally when people get re- get married, it's a religious ceremony? Well, the whole premise of being married is, <laughs> is a religious, religious ceremony. Okay. And so by the time Matt and I got married, we'd been around the world. How long have you been married we'd for? bought a house. We'd had a child. How long have we married for now? Uh, 2013 we okay. got married. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. But we've been, by the time we got married, we've been together 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, and I just thought, well, what's the point? Because um, I was wondering the same myself. What's the point? Why bother getting married? So I looked all of that. Like, I got curious. What's the point? Good question. What's the point? And so when I was looking at New Year's and what's the point of, Um, celebrating New Year's and there's superstitions but then I got interested into well what makes New Year's New Year's and how long has the very end of December Mm. signified New Year's for us and so then um, I was looking up facts about the history of our modern day calendar Mm. so uh, there have been hundreds so intrigued I don't know. Well, it mm. is fascinating because it's like, why this date? Why the 31st of December? On the calendar. Mm. And initially, you know, very anciently, most of the calendars and the stone circles you see, the megaliths and everything like that, was sort of set up around lunar calendars. Whereas uh, the um, most widely used and known calendar is the Gregorian calendar, um, and it's a solar calendar. So it differs from the lunar calendar. Um, meaning uh, our solar calendar has been designed around the time it takes for one full rotation of the Earth around the Sun. So it was introduced by Pope Gregory the Thirteenth in 1582. What? That long ago? 
Well, that sounds like long ago, so it has been in use for a very long time. But even prior to that, for about, oh, where is it here? It's in front of me somewhere. Uh, for about uh, 1,600 years, so 1,600 years prior to that, there was a different calendar in use called the Julian calendar, named after Julius Caesar. And he had introduced a calendar that was a minor adaptation from the Roman calendar. Um, that had been in use since 45 BC. So that's that's a very, very long time ago. But the main reason 45 why... 45 BC. So the Roman calendar was 45 years before Christ. Yeah. And that calendar was used for how long? So how long are we looking Until forward... Until the Julian. Well, <laughs> Which listen was when? on. Great when? question. Yes, Tracy. So the main reason why Pope Gregory brought about a revised edition to the Julian calendar was to address the large amount of drift that had occurred over that large amount of time due to the fact that the number of days in a solar year doesn't easily divide into 12. So, <laughs> sideline note about the Roman calendar. The original Roman calendar consisted of only 10 months spread across only 304 days, starting with March. So, the first of the year, the start of the year was March. And March. ending with December. March, you say. So that's awesome. So that explains (laughs) why a month like October, although in our months is the 10th month, is actually the 8th month. It makes more sense. So ot being the prefix meaning 8. So so we still have those, the roots of the names of the months. And even though it's the 10th month, it's still October. Well, these are all the random thoughts that go through my mind that need to know more information. So that's why this little podcast in history has occurred. So it makes perfect sense now, right? Anyhow, so in 700 BCE, the months of January and February were added, increasing the year's length to 355 days. So that's Mm. still 10 less than what we're more familiar with, right? Yes. So that was in 700 BCE. It wasn't until 45... BCE, that Julius Caesar made further reforms by adding another 10 days and a leap just day. just felt like it? Well, they were trying to figure out, you know, like I said before, I'm not sure if you're paying attention or not. I'm listening. But because we, here. the Gregorian calendar is a solar calendar, so it works on the Earth's uh, revolutionary Rotation. sun. Yep. So that's 365 days as mm. we know now. Uh, but back then they were working with astronomers, astronomy, working out all of that sort of stuff. So by the time um, that this happened um, in 45 BCE and Julius Caesar made the extra 10 days and the leap day every February, uh, every four years was to account for the 365.25. So that is what he worked on was the 365.25 and that worked for... Well over a 1,000 years. I think it was 1,300 years Mm -hmm. that the Julius Caesar calendar was in use. Um, And if I just refer to my notes, because I'm sure I wrote it down more succinctly than what I can paraphrase it here now by. Um, So Julius Caesar made the reforms, adding the 10 days and a leap day to February every four years and subsequently changed the Roman calendar as it had known been until then to the Julian calendar. Mm. So the main point of difference and reason for calendar reform is to more accurately address 
the leap year, and we're all familiar with leap years happening every four years. So listen on for further information. <laughs> Although significantly <laughs> more accurate <laughs> than its so predecessors, an average Julian year insisted of 365 and a quarter days. Worked on having a leap year every four years. Three years of 365 days followed by one year of 366 days. The actual number of days in a solar year is 365.24217. Oh my gosh. This minor difference might sound insignificant, but over the course of hundreds of years it becomes significant. The Julian calendar fell further and further out of sync with the Earth's movement around the sun, resulting in an error of 11 and a half minutes a year, hmm. or one entire day every 128 years. Wow. When did they notice that? Fantastic question, Tracy. <laughs> the problem here is that in the Christian year, Easter falls on the first Sunday after the first full moon, after the March equinox. Mm -hmm. However, in 1582, the calendar had diverged from when this rule was established. To ensure that Easter would always be celebrated at the same time of year as it historically had, Pope Gregory adjusted the rule for which years are leap years. As with the Julian calendar, a leap year would happen every four years, except for years divisible by 100, except, except years also divisible by 400. Oh, man, this is hurting my head. I know Same. That. The Gregorian calendar drifts by just 27 seconds per year, accurate wow. to one day in 3,200 years. Wow. Wow. mind-blowing. I know. Get this part. This, is, this blew my mind. The change was achieved by advancing the calendar by 10 days after the 4th of October in 1582. The day following being reckoned as October 15. So they just skipped Whoa. those days what? in 1582. However, Germany acknowledged this change only in 1700 with England and Eastern USA waiting another 52 years after that to acknowledge the Gregorian calendar. So for hundreds of years, everyone was out of whack with their dates until everyone decided to say, all right, we're all on board and we will all acknowledge oh, the calendar, the which we acknowledge Zoom now. back then. I know, I know. right? It's, it's crazy. Just crazy. <laughs> and so it took, you know, it took a long time. So from 1582 to 1700. Yeah when a lot of the rest of the world finally agreed. And then many other countries took their time. I think it might have been Denmark. It was a Scandinavian country that said, no, we cannot possibly skip 10 days in on bulk. Yeah, that's massive. Uh, with rent, payroll, everything like that, even back then. Um, it's far too sort of inconvenient. So they had sort of a system in place that every four years they would skip two days until they caught up. But then with uh, oh. some type of war that broke out, they forgot that they made that plan. So eventually they kept, <laughs> eventually they had to skip like 13 days. And there was a few countries like that. But eventually, even in countries like China and, you know, Chinese New Year's, they have a loony solar um, amazing calendar that when I was looking in, into this, it's a whole other podcast. And 
far beyond my level of explaining. Um, but they have all kinds of um, sort of rotations, 60-year sort of rotations with the um, the zodiac signs as well, mm-hmm. like the year of, you know, all the different animals. And it's really complex, but that's because it takes into account the the lunar year, the solar year, and how it all sort of works all together. Well, ultimately, it's science. Yeah, mm. and astronomy. And that's why the um, Pope, George XIII, um you know, worked with astronomers to figure out this sort of m- most accurate way. and Which is beautiful it because it's incredible. spirit working with science and science working with spirit. Yeah. Which if you look back in ancient times, that was something that was given. In modern times, it is alienated. It's yeah, disconnected. True. Correct. And the more and more that the Julian and the Gregorian calendar went on and went this way, it kind of went away from the... Uh, the lunar calendar as well. So quite often in ancient times, most calendars, like the month would start on the new moon. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but when you count days like this, you're just counting the days. You're not really acknowledging yeah, right. the lunation period because you're working on the solar. Mm. Um, but I did find a, the final little tidbit of interest was the Egyptian year began when Sirius rose with the sun, so the planet. Mm. So the ancient Egyptian calendar dates back to 4,236 BCE and divided the year into 12 months with the first day of the year beginning when the sky's brightest star Sirius, which they identified with the goddess Isis, rose with the sun. Interestingly, the length of time it takes for this heliacal rising of Sirius to occur is exactly the same as our solar year. And so the Egyptian year was calculated to be 365 days long. Wow. With each month allotted 30 days and an extra five festival days added to make up the difference. At the end of the year, they just had a festival to make up the difference. Can we do that? Yes. (laughs) Let's do that. I'm up for that. Mm. It's so interesting about how much is universal, like, Across all of the different cultures, traditions, religions, there is so much that is exactly the same. And yet the rest of it is open to what? Interpretation, to ego, to agenda, to all the rest of it. But when you look at these kind of facts way back in the 1500s and 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, there is no ego like that we can sort of play towards now. But you look back and you just think, what was their agenda other than to understand the threat and the honour of the gods and the goddesses and the sun god and the moon god and the land gods and all the rest of it? Yeah. It's like if we... Yeah. If we were Mm. all to kind of go back to the focus of what we are given, which we don't have to... We don't, we don't ever have to guess that the sun's going to set or the sun's going to rise or the moon's going to do what it's doing. The moon has never changed. The sun has never changed. Mm. Yes, the rain, the snow, all of the temperature and the weather has changed, but the moon and the sun have never changed. So if you go back in history to all of these cultures, the sun and the moon, they are like almost the one consistent And way back then, what they did was something so simple. And as they've grown, it's become so convoluted and so confusing and so 
systematic and so strategic. It's just like really the sun just rises and the sun sets and the energy moves to the dark and the light and <laughs> the moon does this and the sun does this over a certain period of time mm-hmm. and it's yeah. really, really simple. It is. Why do people make it so confusing? It, it just is. They take notice of it. And it's a political it. agenda, really, mm-hmm. yeah. that kind of. It's interesting. It, it is. is very much. There you go. Well, anyway, that is our New Year's Eve special. And a massive cheers to you all if you've made it to the end of this podcast. (laughs) It's been a ride. It has been a ride. And we just wanted to, like, have a few drinks and... Be together. Be together and have a chat about these different cultures and beautiful traditions and superstitions. And we wish you all a magical New Year's. And all the best for 2022. And we will be back in your ear holes in February. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have a break and we're going to share this cross-platform to turns out she's psychic as well as turns out she's a witch. Massive congratulations to you, Shannon, and your efforts and Trace with turns out she's a witch. You've got beautiful listeners. You've got such a beautiful following that I'm sure will only go further as you do yourself and it's such a pleasure to have you join us it's just a privilege and an honor so thank you so oh, much thank for giving you. so much of your time and yourself and your knowledge it's beautiful it's, to watch you shine yeah. it's beautiful to know that someone that we adore that we notice as someone who's really sincere and authentic and aligned and um, vulnerable and and just humble as well sharing information to other people yeah, um, caring enough about it to go the extra mile yeah. to share, to find out, to, to share it all. There's well, nothing like you. meeting other service-focused people and you may not have known it before you did this, but you're here to serve, you know, you're here to impart and teach and guide and to be a lighthouse and I'm really fucking glad that you said yes <laughs> to do this podcast. Yes, thank you for saying yes. Oh, great point. Thank you both. That's... I don't think you could have said no to me, but <laughs> just quietly, I'm choice. really glad that you did say yes. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Tracy, for wrangling her in. <laughs> are, you glad, are you glad you said yes? I am. It was terrifying at first, I must admit, but it has been, I guess, the biggest year of growth for me personally. It's been amazing. So thank it's been you. so beautiful to watch. And before we started, turns out she's a witch. Shannon and Laura actually didn't even really know each other. Yeah, so it's I actually know. Been beautiful to, to see. I know. You feel like I've known you for a million years. It's so. been amazing. Mm-hmm. Laura, you still are a stalker of Asher Moon. <laughs> stalker. I'm like an addict. Addict. Yeah. All of addict. the above. I'm still like before a release. I'll be like. Is it wrong to want to try and muscle my way through and buy a mug? And I stopped short of getting, you know, special treatment. I'm just there buying one with everybody else. And I think that's where I cut my Yeah, but even, hey, no. you know. I walked into your house and you've got a shrine. That's you okay. Do. I don't hide it. <laughs> it's like a I like pretty things. Shrine. It must be the Libra in me. I just fucking love pretty things. <laughs> pretty things. Like, why are we here on this earth if we're not? here to enjoy it and have pretty things that's all I can say yeah and share it I yes. gifted a Nash Moon mug and that meant the world to me and I love you Lauren I hope you love it too I know you will so it's all good it's a love speaking of Asher Moon if you want to check out our Instagram our socials turns out underscore she's a witch turns out underscore she's psychic 
Gems that underscore it's haunted. You're going to see Shannon's amazing, beautiful magic and creations in the goblets that she's got, plus also the little beautiful mugs that she made that are unique to us, one of a kind. But why not? Um, when is your next drop, Shannon, oh, for gosh. 2022? I have no idea, actually. Sorry about that. <laughs> Okay. Okay. She's I usually drop like every six weeks, but we're about to move into our new studio in the yep. new yeah. year, so I'm yep. not sure. So I'm hoping March. Maybe around Maybe March. March for the yeah. first drop. Yep. Yeah. How do how do people mm. keep an eye on what that is? Can they uh, on my Instagram subscribe? and Facebook? Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Follow Ashley yep. underscore designs. I think so. <laughs> the secret stones are there though too. They yeah. are. Yeah, are they like I stock? have things that are in stock yeah. all the time. In the meantime, but if you can't yeah. wait, you can yeah. get sacred stones yeah. plus oh also the ether and earth Earth oracle. and ether oracle. Earth and oracle. Yep, they're available. Uh-huh. You may but, or yeah. may not see me in them. Yes, true story. Uh-huh. True story. Um, but it's a beautiful deck. So there's so many different gifts that you offer in mm-hmm. that as well. There's also a goblet if you want to be like Shannon, Laura, and I. And listen to, it turns out, <laughs> oh, my God. God. Now we're all getting If you want to be like us. Tracy. Shannon has a goblet. I love the sale. <laughs> well, there's um, two at the moment, but who knows when this goes to air, yes. how many there are. That's we okay. Can vouch That's okay. Amazing. If people are asking for goblets, you will make goblets. Mm-hmm. I shall. <laughs> I shall. Well, we love you all. Take care. We yeah, do. Thank you so much. And happy New Year. Yes, very, very happy New Year. And mm. here's to 2022 and a year of freedom and good health. Yes. Yeah. And we hope we you are all jumping from the highest place you can find into yeah. New Year. Yes. Think about your priorities and what are you going to do? Now's yes. your time to plan. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Bye. If you'd like to send us one of your ghost stories or if you have a question for me or for Laura, send us a Gmail at tospsychic at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at turnsout underscore she's psychic and over on Facebook at tospodcast.